Lebanon is a country of around 4 million people, but it currently hosts 2 million refugees, approximately half a million Palestinians, and 1.5 million Syrians who fled civil war in Syria, which began in 2008. Scrolling forward, Lebanon has undergone a period of extraordinary political and economic instability in the last two to three years. For a good deal of that period, it has had no government until very recently. And in that time, the economy has gone through an extraordinary period of decline with soaring unemployment, inflation, and drastic reduction in the value of the local currency, such that now something like 80% of the Lebanese population are officially designated as living under the poverty line. In addition to which, and in the middle of which, uh, in August of last year, the terrible explosion in the port of Beirut destroyed the homes of 300,000 people uh, and killed over 200. The last two years have been a terrible, terrible time in Beirut. And you'll hear more about this in this interview. Welcome to My Middle East, the podcast from Embrace the Middle East. Embrace is a Christian charity working with and through Christian partners in the Middle East, in Egypt, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Israel, and Palestine. Our partners work with people of all religions and beliefs to lift up vulnerable and marginalized people and their communities. I'm Tim Lipsy, CEO of uh, Embrace the Middle East, and throughout this series, I'll be talking to uh, people from all walks of life with different perspectives uh, on the Middle East. And hopefully with their help, we're going to paint a picture of what the Middle East really looks like and feels like. And today, I'm absolutely delighted to be talking to an old friend, Sylvia Haddad, uh, who is the executive director of the Department of uh, Services to Palestinian Refugees in the Lebanon region partner of Embrace. A very, very warm welcome, Sylvia. Thank you so much for joining us from uh, from Beirut. I wanted to start, if I may, right at the beginning, Sylvia. Could you tell us where you were born and how you came to live in Lebanon? Okay, first let me thank you very much, Tim, for inviting me to come and talk to you. I am really greatly honored. Embrace is my favorite charity, and you certainly support us, and uh, and I really thank you for all the support you are giving us. Um, I was born in Palestine, in Jerusalem. In fact, I am very proud of, I keep telling people that I am from Jerusalem. But sadly, I know nothing about Jerusalem, except that I was born there, what I read about it, I dream about going there. Uh, but Jerusalem to me is wonderful. But anyway, I left it as a baby. I was hardly a little child when I left, when my parents had to leave. Uh, with everybody who was uh, had to leave because we had to leave our, our home, as you know the story. So um, my, I was I am very very lucky that I come from an affluent family uh, within highly educated parents who were able to come and uh, 
live in Beirut where my mother had had her education and university degree from the uh, what is now called the Lebanese American University and in those days it was known as the junior college. So she was one of the first university graduates in those days in the Middle East. So immediately, and she had family, she had a sister who was married in Lebanon, and automatically she thought, okay, I'll, we will come to Lebanon. And that's how I ended up in uh, Beirut, in the Beirut, which is the capital of Lebanon. And uh, we lived in an area known as Ras Beirut. I never thought of myself as a refugee, you know, when you are just having a normal life. I am just one of very, very lucky people. We came from Palestine, where the British were ruling, don't forget. And then, of course, I grew up and I uh, went to university here. After that, I uh, got married and I married a prominent doctor who was, uh, uh, he was Lebanese, but he had been born in Palestine also. The Lebanon in those days, I cannot tell you, it was just an ideal country to live well in. Beirut was superb. We had so much fun, so much. It was really a lovely country. Now we are really going through bad times. That's why I am uh, comparing now to before. Uh, so I grew up in lovely Lebanon. We had friends. We went in groups, uh, had fun together. Uh, then the, the, when then the, the war came in, in, when we had the civil war in 1985, the director here, who was a Palestinian and uh, who worked all in the camps, uh, he was kidnapped. And I knew that there was nobody to direct this, uh, this whole organization. So I had nothing to do. No, no, I was working on my master's degree at that time. So I decided I will also come and try to, get, to keep this committee going. And it was, it's known here as the Joint Christian Committee. It's not known as the SPR. People know it as the Joint Christian Committee. So I came here and I was helping in running the, uh, this organization. Uh, but then my house was hit uh, during this uh, civil war. And uh, uh, in 1986, we had, to, uh, we had to leave Lebanon. So I found somebody to take my place and went off to America. So I stayed in America there until 1990, uh, actually, and I came back. Uh, when I came back, um, I took a teaching position at the university as a professor at the Lebanese American University and was very happily teaching uh, in 1997 when the uh, director of the Middle East Council of Churches uh, calls me and he said, Sylvie, aren't you of Palestinian origin? I said, yes, I am. He said, and didn't you uh, always be interested in the uh, JCC, which is the SPR really here? Uh, I said, yes. He said, well, we need your help. I told him, okay, I'll pop around. And so I went to see him. And he said, look, this JCC is not doing very well after the war and uh, we have problems. So we are thinking of phasing it out because you see the, the DSPR is part of the Middle East Council of Churches. So in the long run, يعني, they are really responsible for us, kind of. So I told them, okay, I see what I can do. 
So I went to visit the centers. I had never been in camps before. So I went to the first camp I visited was called the Sabra Shatila camp. And I'm sure that you have heard of the Shatila camp, which is, uh, you know, the terrible massacres took place there. Do you think people coming to Lebanon today in, in for whatever reasons they've had to flee? Obviously, we've had Syrians. We had even before the Palestinian community, we had Armenians. Do you think the experience of, of refugees today is very, very different from your experience as a young as a, a young girl and then a young woman? Yes, I, th I think it is. It is different. It is different because they didn't come like me. I came to a place where my aunt was here, where my mother grew up. You know, I, I didn't feel a refugee because of my family circumstances. The refugees coming now uh, are mostly of the, uh, shall we say, the lower income group people. Uh, if they come from the higher income, no, they can rent houses, they can feel good. But those who are coming, and that is the majority, uh, they, they really feel that they are refugees, especially that the, uh, that the Lebanese policy now has changed from what it was when the Palestinians came. Uh, when we first came, the Palestinians came, the Lebanese were, uh, had welcomed, had welcomed the Palestinians, especially they are coming from the south, if you think of the map. If you come down up from the Galilee area, you can just walk uh, quite a bit, you can walk into Lebanon, in the south of Lebanon, where there is Tyre and all that. So uh, uh, they came, they were welcomed into the Lebanese homes in the beginning, because nobody knew that such a catastrophe will take place. The Lebanon had not experienced this before. So they had these courts of people just coming, and they, the people who were walking were the farmers, the laborers, the workers, the everyday people who walked. They were being, the villages were being burned, and they were just having to leave. So they had to leave, and they just walked into another country, which was Lebanon, maybe Jordan. So when they came, the Lebanese opened their homes to them. So it was a new concept that they have now, refugees. This is really important for our listeners to understand that in 1948, when refugees walked over the border, as you say, from the northern part of Israel, what we now know as Israel, then was Palestine, into Lebanon, um, people thought that they would be returning within a matter of months. So the, so the immediate humanitarian uh, mobilization was just temporary. Nobody imagined 70 years, 80 years later, that we would still be in this situation. Because nobody envisaged that in 72 years now, that the, that the refugees are still, here, are still here. But the important thing which the refugees have sacred is 194, which is the right of return, which the United Nations in those days took. So they say that we are returning. So this is the dream, that they are returning. Now, moving to Sabra and Shatila, though, you took me there. And of course, I, and maybe our listeners will know of Sabra and Shatila, because of course, it was the place where in 1982, there was a terrible massacre mainly of Muslims by Christian militia. This was during the war. So maybe could you tell us a little bit about this camp and the work that you're doing there? And indeed, the feelings that you have uh, working with the people who live in, let's be honest, pretty terrible conditions. 
So I went to the camp for the first time. Uh, and I went into the center that had been working there, that had been established in 1950. Can, can you imagine in 1950, we started our work. They yeah. had just come out from this terrible massacre that they had uh, experienced in 1982. Uh, there was a lot of destruction still in the camp. People, a lot of the people had the, the original refugees had left it. Of course, they had tried to immigrate. Everybody tries to immigrate there. But there was still a big group of Palestinians there. And these are the people that really uh, I worked for, we worked for, and we, we have so many programs in that center. Anything which will give them a skill or a job to work, you see. Uh, we also have a very, very special program which Embrace is now supporting. And this is children who come to us. They are aged 11 to 14 who cannot read and write, who are have somehow either, uh, either been to school and thrown out or have never been to school, those who especially came from Syria who have never been to school, they, they are that age and they are illiterate completely. Their parents bring them and tell them, uh, teach them, teach them a profession because we have hairdressing for women, we have barbering for men also, uh, and we have electronics. Put them somewhere, we cannot, if they cannot read and write. So we started this program, which we call it Children on the Go. And this is what Embrace liked very much. And they are supporting us with this one. And so we have around uh, right now this year, 20 children who really start from scratch and they are doing very well. And after they are with us for two or three years, we find what uh, profession they would like to go to and we direct them there. We have some of them who wanted to do with us uh, uh, hairdressing, Another who turned out to be very clever in mathematics, we have moved them to go to an accounting school not far from us program. Uh, so this is program is doing very well. Anyway, the Sabra Shatila uh, uh, pro project uh, all together, the center in uh, under our care is really doing brilliantly. So we are happy about that because we really need us. This is a very, very poor community. Uh, the camp is extremely congested. What is happening in Lebanon and what is happening in Beirut? And, and Sylvia, do you see better times ahead? What a difficult question, Yatim. What a difficult question. Better <laughs> times ahead. You know, I believe in that nothing comes down which nothing comes down which will not go up again. And I am an optimist by nature. So I think that we have endured a war of 15 years and destruction of Beirut. And it was rebuilt. It wasn't rebuilt as it was, but the way that I remember and love, but it was rebuilt. Now, this is, this is very new to us. An economic crisis of this size, it's unbelievable. I don't think anybody can endure. I don't know what happened in other countries but I know that what has happened to our economy is unbelievable. That the banks, if you, have, or you have lost all your money in your banks, in the banks, you cannot get to your money. The economic situation is so bad. The, uh, the, the, the currency has fallen so badly that, uh, for example, you used to buy, say, let us say, a kilo of meat 
for 16,000 Lebanese. Now it is for 300, 300,000 people like doctors, like nurses, like teachers, professors. They are all immigrating. So these are the, uh, uh, the intelligentsia, shall we call them, of the country. We cannot lose these people. But again, they cannot stay. They have to make a living for their families. They are either immigrating to uh, Europe or to America or to Australia, or uh, they are going to the Arab countries to find better jobs so they can uh, support their families here. So Lebanon is changing, Beirut has changed because of that. But anyway, we still hope and I hope it will change. And we have been, we were without a government for so long. Now we have a government. Now all we want them to do is for the government to take its right place to be stronger and that we are hoping to have in May elections for the parliament. And this is where we have our hopes now that we cannot stay like this forever because I tell you, the, the, the poverty is beyond your imagination. I see how, how poor they are. We are, for the first time, I am not appealing for projects, I am appealing for relief to give people, say, $100. Uh, to, to them, $100 is a lot. We were never like this ever. We had money, we were, we are, uh, we had, we had, we had a good life. So what happened all of a sudden is beyond me. Amazingly, the World Bank in summer of last year, 2021, they did uh, a major report on Lebanon. In the World Bank's estimation, the economic crisis that Lebanon even then was going through and it has got worse, was one of the three most critical economic crises anywhere in the world since the middle of the 19th century. I think this is a message that hasn't really got through to most people, just how serious this situation is and how many, how much poverty has been created uh, in Lebanon within a very short space of time, a couple of years, basically. But Sylvia, you keep going. I keep going. Of course, I have to keep going even, even more. I have to, because I just cannot leave these people, you know, every, my, 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 my daughters who live out, out of Lebanon, mom, why don't you come over? One is in the States, the other in Spain. How can I leave? This is the time when people need me. You don't turn your back when you are needed. So um, I, 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 I hope, I pray every day that uh, we are going to be, uh, we're going to get out of this nightmare. And uh, I keep, uh, I'm so grateful for people who help us and who are uh, encouraging us to stay and continue with our work. Because I tell you, Tim, we are needed. We, are, we have to help. And then we, I forgot to tell you, there's the explosion which took place for the yeah. August last year. It was, the, the explosion was terrible. Again, you see how many people, how, how many people's lives, the Lebanese, they, they, they were, destroyed. I have to say, Sylvia, the outpouring of generosity, for example, among Embrace supporters uh, in the aftermath of the uh, port explosion was incredible. But tell us, Sylvia, did it impact, how did it impact you? Did it damage your flat? Well, very strangely, I live on the 10th floor and you would automatically think that the 10th floor, something will happen. But when I when when our when, the, when our building was shaking, 
I, of course, stupidly went on the balcony, which is something one shouldn't do, really, to see what is happening or to see whether Israeli uh, uh, you know, planes are coming and they are bombing because we didn't know what to do. The whole building shook. And I saw the huge windows of the floors behind, uh, underneath me, the ninth, eighth, seventh, until the fourth, huge windows just jumped out of the window or out of their sockets and they went down. You know, all of the glass and the aluminum, all of it was broken down. And I was, I thought maybe uh, the, uh, the, uh, the doorman who has his children's playground there, I said, oh my God, what happened to the children? So it was a terrible, terrible time, you know. And I was uh, grateful then that the children were not there. And I went to, to see the, the, and the neighbors who were extremely shocked as half of their windows dropped out. But I was very, thank God, very lucky. Uh, maybe God takes care of me so I can do his work. <laughs> I'm sure he does, Sylvia. Yeah. I'm sure he does. And anyway, you, your home was hit by a, a, a shell during the Civil War. So maybe you were spared this time. Thank, thanks be to God. <laughs> Sylvia, you know, you, you're a very dear friend. You're a remarkable person. Thank and you. I'm just really so thrilled that we were able to talk to you today. We could have gone on forever, but it's been a wonderful tour through the last sort of 80 years or so of Lebanese history. Thank you so much, Sylvia. I thank you very much, Tim, first for considering me to talk to you and for seeing you now. On the, it is so nice to see you again. And do come and visit us soon when you can. I will, I promise. Okay, bye-bye.